Welcome to the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Saturday, July the 31st, 2021. On this edition of the Politocrat, what would you do to make the US of A a better place? That and more coming up next. Well, hello again, and welcome back. This is, um, well, Saturday is here, obviously, and we're at the end of the month of July. We're in the second half of the year. We have gone through seven months. This is the last day of that seventh month of 2021. And we are heading down the home stretch. In the third quarter still of the year. But 30 or so days plus away from the final few months of the year. I mean, we're what? It'd be four months after the end of August. It'll be four more months. And then the year will be over. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The final quarter of the year begins in October. Where has 2021 gone? And how would you account for how this year has gone? Maybe I should just ask it in this way, dear listener. And thank you for coming on board here and listening to this episode and for your continued loyalty. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about the Politocrat Daily Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Search online on YouTube at the Politocrat daily podcast and subscribe please i just want to say you know how do you look at how this year has gone i check in every now and again and i ask this question because i i you know myself i just kind of look at the year and think it's a blur how would you compare 2021 to 2020 whether it is in your own personal life first and foremost and whether it's in the news and how this world has turned over the last, what, nearly seven full months and over the last then the previous, what, 12 calendar months of the previous year. I mean, how would you evaluate it all? Because again, I ask this every now and again. And do you think that 2021 has been better as a year than 2020? Do you think it's been the same? Do you think it's been a whole lot worse? I mean, how do you evaluate that? I, I look, I, I've put this question on Twitter at the popcorn R-E-E-L. So if you happen to be listening to this on July the 31st or on August 1st or even on August 2nd, 2021, you may want to head on to Twitter at the popcorn R-E-E-L to answer the poll that I have put there. I really would like to know what you think. Better year this year? Worse year this year? The same? How do you evaluate? That's number one, before I get to the main topic of this particular episode. Number two, have you been vaccinated yet? Do you plan to be vaccinated if you are not presently vaccinated? And if you are not planning to be vaccinated at all, 
Why? Just curious, why? Why would you not? That's the question I have on the table. And then I guess finally, just a a roll call of things that have happened here um, in the news in the, the last few hours, I guess. I guess one other thing I do want to do before I get to the news is ask you, are you watching these Olympics? Because I've I've only watched maybe one event in the entire Olympics, and that was the diving, pairs diving. That was on Sunday of last week, and I have not watched since. A lot of people are boycotting the Olympics, and one of the reasons, and I know people personally who are not watching it at all, um, because... They rightly say, look, you know, this is a pandemic. These Olympic Games should not be going on. And I don't disagree with that. I actually agree with that. These Olympic Games should never have been held this year. Tokyo in a state of emergency, there's just no chance. And no fans in the buildings at all. No fans anywhere. The heat index now in Japan is off the charts. Again, climate change and global warming. Hello. These Olympic Games should not have taken place. They should not have taken place. Athletes dropping out like flies, although, again, I shouldn't say it like that. I I, I should say um, athletes getting COVID like flies. And then you've got athletes saying, nope, I'm not continuing in these Olympic Games. I need a mental health break. I need more than a mental health break. I need time. I need time for me. I need time to get myself and my headspace in... Where, I, where I'm comfortable with it. I want my mental state to be better. I, I just don't like what's happening here. And I need time for me. I need me time. All of this media with microphones in my face, the world on my shoulders. I want to have time for me because I'm a human being. And that's what a number of athletes have said at these Olympic Games. And in fact, outside of the Olympic Games as well. So I, I want to just point that out as well. But let me get to the news, dear listener, on this Saturday. There's things that have, I've come across here that have happened over the last, well, roughly 10, 12 hours or so, vis-a-vis this particular edition of the Politocrat Daily Podcast, which is being broadcast on Saturday, July the 31st, being recorded on that date and being put into the air on that date. Don't forget, as I say, to subscribe to the podcast please. So, news and notes, the longtime senator from Michigan, who is no longer in the Senate, but had been for many a year, Carl Levin, he passed away a day or two ago. He was 87 years of age. I remember Carl Levin. I think he was on the um, Senate Judiciary Committee at one point, I think during the Iran-Contra um, hearings. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I know Joe Biden was the head of that committee, the chair of that committee in the Senate, but I think Carl Levin may have been on there as well. But Carl Levin, you know, an unmistakable figure um, in the Senate, he would kind of sit there, not hunched over, but he'd kind of have a very distinctive look and he'd have his glasses halfway down his nose. That, that's how, that was the, you know, white hair, you know, white guy, white haired, um, kind of this intonation of his voice. It was very, very clear. I mean, I remember Carl Levin, um, someone who um, definitely uh, was a friend of the military. I think he served in the military himself. 
And um, I wouldn't necessarily say he was the most hawkish member, but he definitely was someone who um, was a believer in the militaries in terms of the defense contracting industry and things of that nature. And um, Carl Levin was respected throughout the United States Senate and by his constituents across the state of Michigan, somebody who was, for the most part, on the right side of the issues and um, in all respects, a gentleman and a decent human being. And I want to just uh, acknowledge his passing and send my deepest condolences to his family members and say, rest in power, Senator Carl Levin. Ruth Pearl, by the way, the mother of Daniel Pearl, and you may remember Daniel Pearl in 2001, I believe it was, or maybe thereafter, he was murdered, beheaded, I believe it was. I mean, this was, you know, this is horrible. Daniel Pearl was a reporter at the Wall Street Journal, and apparently, I believe you remember um, correctly, he had been beheaded uh, on a video or something. Uh, Excuse me for the graphic Um, I didn't warn you before, did I? And I'm very sorry. Please excuse me. Um, It was horrible what happened to Daniel Pearl. I believe it was in Afghanistan at the time. It would have been at that stage if it was 2001 or 2002. And Ruth Pearl was someone who was one of the advocates, obviously, um, to get um, justice for her son and you know, um, Ruth Pearl, you know, she passed away herself uh, at the age of 85 in the last day or two. So I want to send my condolences to her family as well. And Ruth Pearl, rest in power. There were a number of other people who passed and for some reason they have just just vanished out of my mind. So I'm so very sorry. Um, I think maybe hopefully next episode I can um, kind of resurrect my memory and acknowledge those who have passed whom you may have heard of and perhaps some people you may not have heard of. And by the way, I just want to use this opportunity right now to anyone out there, to any of you listening, who have lost someone very close to you, whether it be in your family, you know, your your spouse or uh, a close friend, a dear friend to you or someone that you really loved and cared about and respected, I send to you my deepest condolences. One other thing here, um, and this is really for President Biden. And by the way, before I get to that, I, I look, I do want to talk about this infrastructure bill. It apparently has passed in the Senate. Um, I think yesterday it did, I believe. Um, I do know that um, there was a lot going on with it in the House. We'll see what happens with it. Um, but this is uh, this infrastructure bill. You know, we need to make sure that uh, the things that are in that bill speak to our needs, not to corporations' needs. Because it, the infrastructure bill doesn't mean anything if it's not serving the people. And the way you serve the people is to make sure that the monies from that bill get allocated from Congress to the states and that the states are responsible in the way they do this. Now, if you're a Republican state. No, you're not going to be responsible. You're not going to help your constituents. 
But if you're in a democratic state, you are definitely going to be doing that, helping the people you are serving. This is, um, you know, again, um, this infrastructure bill, you know, um, you know, I, I got to say, I, I'm not sure that it has passed yet in the Senate. All I know is, is that the, uh, the uh, vote was taken on Thursday to actually move the bill forward. So that's the latest I know. It may well be that there's going to be a vote on Monday. If there has been a vote, and I am not aware of it. So you would have probably heard that. And if if you did hear it and I didn't hear it, then please give me a shout because I don't I did not hear anything. We've got here a bipartisan group of senators. And I know I've talked about that word bipartisan. Oh, have I done that on this podcast on a number of occasions? And I, I just think of the, the individuals in this group of uh, senators who have joined in. Um, I believe um, of the ones I'm looking at here, it's um, people like uh, Mitt Romney and Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. And um, is that Gene Shaheen? Um, um, I, I don't know. I think Gene Shaheen, the senator out of New Hampshire. Um, Rob Portman and Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and Bill Cassidy. And, you know, those types of individuals who are, and Bill Cassidy and Mikowski and Collins and Portman, they're all Republicans, uh, as is Mitt Romney. And uh, I believe Shaheen, if that is Jean Shaheen, I'm thinking of, I don't know if it is um, Jean Shaheen. Is she one of the bipartisan members? I don't remember. But um, if, if if so, Shaheen, Manchin, and Cinema are Democrats. And so this is the, um, this is what's going on with this. And by the way, we'll see what happens with this. We'll see what happens. I will keep you posted. I think Mark uh, Mark Warner is also in this group of people as well. Um, uh, so anyway, there we go. Yeah, I think Mark Warner is also a part of this group of Senators, Democratic Senator Mark Warner out of, I believe, Virginia. Yeah, Virginia, I think. Yes, 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 Virginia. So we'll keep an eye on that. And I'll be talking about it here on the Politocrat Daily Podcast. And so... Um, we'll see how that all goes. Um, yeah, I think that's about it here on news that has kind of uh, bubbled around here in the last uh, few hours. Um, and uh, away we go with that. Um, the House also is going to be dealing with this infrastructure bill. If it has by any chance, and I did not realize it because I've looked, I've not seen any indication, but if this bill has passed through in the Senate, the House is going to be weighing it uh, definitely next week as well. Uh, we shall see uh, what goes on. I will keep you abreast of that. Now, I want to get to President Biden. And then I'll be talking about the main theme of this particular episode. President Biden, you've still got things that you need to be advocating for. You need to be actually, if not advocating for, you know you also need to be doing. And let me get to the doing part first. You need to close Guantanamo Bay. That's what you need to do. Guantanamo Bay has got to close. President Obama said he was going to close it. He did not. He had eight years. He didn't do it. And forget the guy after him. 
President Biden, you said that you wanted to close Guantanamo. I believe it was during the campaign you said you would like to do that. It's not happened yet. We're heading to August. Tomorrow is August the 1st of 2021. And still no closing of Guantanamo Bay. And it's a travesty to say the very least. So please, Mr. President, have pity on us all and absolutely close that monstrosity. It does not belong. And you talk about democracy and freedom and liberty and America being back. It's not back anywhere except in the places of distrust, disrespect, and disrepute. Close Guantanamo Bay. Please close it. Do it today. Mr. President, I'd also like for you to cancel student loan debt. There are so many students absolutely starving and they are getting an education and they've got all this debt. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of students across the U.S. of A. And taking $10,000 off or $15,000 off is nice, but that doesn't really cut it for the average student who is spending thousands of dollars on textbooks, on food. Per semester, per year. Come on, Mr. President. You've got to absolutely eradicate student debt. Just wipe it off the books. Why should someone who is getting educated, especially now in this pandemic era that we are all living and struggling through and losing our, literally, we're losing our mental equilibriums around this or equilibria. I mean, Lord, I've checked in with myself lately. (laughs) Jeez. I mean, this is absolutely insane. We have got to really take care of our mental health here. It's so important. And I tell you, one thing that can do a little bit of wonder for mental health, at least a little tiny bit, is to take student debt away from students. Student loan debt should go. We should not have this, where students are coming out of whichever schools they're coming out of, and they've got 300,000, 100,000, 85,000, 45,000, 125,000, 185,000. I mean, in student loan debt. And the jobs they are getting coming out of school won't pay that back for at least five to 10 years. And then there's interest on that debt. And the next generation is going to absolutely suffer for this. Please, Mr. President, you had all these young people voting for you. You were supposed to be the one who was the conduit for the younger generation, for the next president after you. But now look what you've done. You've not done enough to get rid of student debt. 
You can do it with an executive order tomorrow, today, tonight, whenever. You've got these awesome powers, sir, and you must use them for good. Then I would like you, Mr. President, to advocate on the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act. I want you to start talking about that act right here, right now. And urge Congress, urge specifically the Senate, because the House passed this last year. I want you to urge the Senate that you were a part of for 40 plus years to go on and pass this Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act. Please, you've got to do this. I want you to also emphasize the importance of passing the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act. I want you to be talking about that a lot. You have the bully pulpit, Mr. President. Please, for God's sake, man, speak out and speak up. Turn up the volume, pump up the volume on this very urgent need to pass this act. It gets rid of qualified immunity for police who murder and kill. It gets rid of all that and so many other things. It's a start. It is not everything, but it is a really good start. So please, Mr. President Joe Biden, please start speaking up about the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act. And also, you need to turn up the dial to 11 on passing the For the People Act and on passing the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Those are two very important pieces of legislation. I don't care what the Senate said. You need to flex your muscle. Sir, please, we need you to do this. And we need you to do this now. And for those of you listening, please call the White House. I'll give you their phone number at the end of this podcast episode. And please call your senators. Call all the senators at the congressional switchboard in D.C. at 202-224-3121 or 202-225-3121. When I return, what would you do to make America, the U.S. of A, specifically, a better place? Welcome back. I know it may sound funny. People everywhere running out of money. We just can't make it by ourselves. Randy Newman there with, well, me, <laughs> saying what Randy Newman sang. Mr. President, have pity on the working man. On the working person. On all of us. I mean, this applies to any of the people who've been in the White House. And right now, I just, forgive my US-centric focus. And, you know, one of the things, I, I've said this before, but I have failed on this so far. 
and is certainly by a long shot, is to talk about a lot of the political things going on in a number of countries around the world. And I had on a number of occasions on this podcast said, yes, I'm going to do that. I have not yet done that. And I apologize to you. Um, I endeavor to do that. I will be better. And I make a an effort, a, a serious effort to start to speak about some of the other political realities that are going on in various parts of this planet because we need to be connected to each other. We need to be interconnected. I, and I'm not saying that you have to shine someone's shoes. Uh, all I'm saying is, is that we need to have a global awareness. I mean, we have to. That's This world is shrunk, been shrunk. And that's not the only reason why we should have a global perspective on things. I think having a global perspective is so critical and indispensable. We've got to know what's going on around us and around the world. We've got to have an idea so we can connect the threads and also so that we can be more enlightened people and we can educate each other and other people. We need to be able to do that. We need to strive to be better. And I want to get to better right now. Because, you know, the last couple of episodes I've postulated and thought and said to you, dear listener, that the United States is not a country at all. It is fragments, shards of glass. Some of that glass looks very nice and some of that glass is rough around the edges. Now, that's my contention and I, and I believe that that has been the case here in the United States for many a century. History shows us that this is not a nation. It is millions of pieces of glass shattered. Each piece trying to find a foothold somewhere to fit so that that piece does not get completely crushed. That is the view I have. And some people will bristle at that, maybe not. Maybe you will agree with that, maybe you won't. Because people say that the United States is a gorgeous mosaic. Some others say it is a boiling cauldron. But in neither of those scenarios is there a place called nation or country anywhere. It is a sub well, not sub anything. It is a group of people of different personalities, different backgrounds, trying to stay alive in the middle of this big-ass nowhere, which is what I call the planet, right? It's in the middle of this big-ass nowhere. Now, I know there's a solar system out here. I know that exists, right? What has it got, eight planets now, not nine? Nine planets now? I forget. Because one of the, you know, is it Uranus that's out of the picture? One of those two, is that a Pluto or Uranus? I think it's Uranus that's out of the, the picture. Oh, I, anyway, I'm not the solar system expert. I will readily admit to that. <laughs> I've got a lot to learn. We all do. I've got lots to learn about lots of things. I do, I, I you know, I, you know I, there's lots and lots of things that we in the world do not know. And... Uh, Jeez, we've got, I've got so much to learn. <laughs> I've got so much to learn. I really, really do. And I'm not being anything about that. I'm being really serious. So much to learn. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. Um, age A is just a number. B, you are only as young or old as you feel in your spirit and in your heart and in your soul. And uh, three or C is, look, here we are, Right? And we never stop learning. Never. 
I always think of what Spike Lee has said on a number of occasions when he spoke of the one of the godfather of uh, one of the godfathers of cinema, if you will, Akira Kurosawa, who was a legendary film director. It was absolutely brilliant. So many great films of his. I could go on and on about the the excellence of Akira Kurosawa. And this grand filmmaker um, passed away, I think, in his late 80s or early 90s. And Kurosawa spoke to Spike Lee. Or either Spike Lee saw him on an interview or he spoke to Spike Lee about this. Whichever one it was, Spike Lee recalled and said, you know, Akira Kurosawa at 80-something years old was saying, hey, look, you know, I've made X amount of films and there's so much more I have to learn about cinema and about filmmaking. And Spike Lee was saying that, you know, when he recalled that, that from Kurosawa, Spike Lee was saying to himself, well, hell, if Akira Kurosawa, and he repeated this too, did Spike Lee, if Akira Kurosawa at the age of 80-something, making all of these excellent films that he's made in his career, is still talking about, well, I've got so much more to learn about cinema, then hey, <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh, we do. We have so much more to learn. And one of the things is this, this idea of better. And you know me, I've talked about this language situation, how I think language is so critically important. Language is everything. Words mean something. They can heal or they can hurt. If this sounds familiar, it's because I've said this before on this podcast. And it is all true. Words can heal and words can hurt. Why don't you, at this moment, look through the travelogue of your life thus far and weigh up whether or not the things that have been said to you in your life have been more of a healing force or more of a hurtful force. That's an instant exercise. I just want to drop on you at this moment, if you don't mind. And while you are ruminating on that ever so briefly or ever so lovingly, because you've had the vast majority, and I hope you have, uh, of times when words have been said to you in a healing way to make you feel better, to elevate and innovate your confidence and, and to, you know, contemplate and uh, compliment you, if you will. I hope that that is the case for you. And if it's not the case for you, then, you know, again, you know, it, it further underlines the point, and excuse me for the tautology, but words can hurt. So in all of that, I want to use that as a predicate to talking about the word better. Better, better, not great, better. Because as I've said, great is static and finite. And quite frankly, the word is somewhat empty in my way of thinking because you can't do anything more with that word, right? If you say great, what does that mean? Well, obviously the word great, we know what it means. But what does that mean in the larger scheme? And no, I'm not being semantical or anything like that. And or I really want you to think about this for a second. The word better is the word I would pick. If I had to pick a word between better and great, you know why I would pick better? It's because that implies 
that there is still room for you and I to grow. There is still room for me to grow. And in the spirit of what Spike Lee said, and in the spirit of what Akira Kuwasara said, that means that he's got so much more to learn. He's no longer with us now, Akira Kuwasawa. But when he was around and he was in his 80s talking about, I've still got so much more to learn. Oh my God. That's what better is, isn't it? That's what the word better is. It means that you and I, we, us, are on a mission still. We're not resting on great. We're resting on improving. And that means we're not resting at all. We are improving. Better. To be better. Better. And with that said, the country, well, (laughs) the millions of shards of glass called the quote-unquote United States, right? What would you do to make the United States a better place? Now, I know some people, you know, the racists will say certain things. I would say, kick the racists out of here. And I would also say, get rid of the system that's here that is created by the racists and the white male racists and um, some of their female counterparts. Although they, the female counterparts did not create the system. They kowtowed to it, the patriarchy, Right? The same uh, kowtowing that the patriarchy did where the white women ditched the black women in 1920 in the U.S. and said, see ya. You know, after the black women really were at the heart of that suffrage movement. Not just alongside the white women, but they were at the heart of that blooming movement. And then they found their asses kicked to the curb and the white women said, see ya. You gotta wait forty-five more years for yours. Good luck. Right? That's that's what's going on with that. And then I have to see, by the way, YouTube videos of um, white women in California. One white woman in California. Um, one's enough. We don't need to have fifteen saying this. Although, you know, given the so-called Karen phenomenon, there's a lot more than fifteen. But. My point here is, you know, some woman in, uh, it was a white woman in California, um, and it's at The Root, by the way, root, theroot.com, and I put this on Twitter, at the popcorn, R-E-E-L, and on video, she's waxing on about, oh, we've got to get rid of these black women, the black men have got to kick these black women to the curb and show them who's boss. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with this crazy, sick, racist, misogynist, piece of garbage, talking all this bullcrap? And someone said on Twitter to me, well, she's drunk. And then quickly added, but that's no excuse. Thank you for adding those three or four words after that. But that's no excuse. Because that is the point. There is no excuse for this. I don't care if you're drunk, if you're this, if you're that. That is what you already had in you before the drink. And the drink is just bringing it out. So, no, I'm glad you, the person who did respond to my tweet about this, very quickly and astutely added those words because it doesn't matter because when we're drunk, if we are drunk, because, you know, you notice the black folk don't do this kind of thing. At least there's no videos I've seen of it. 
of you. But let's say there was one, <laughs> for sake of argument. And I'm not straying from the topic here, dear listener. Right? No one would make an excuse about, well, the black person's drunk. Or no one would say, oh, they're drunk. They would just call them out, right? And, and, and say all the things about them that they're going to say about them. And indict the behavior. They're not going to, well, he's drunk. You know, because for us, none of the uh, nuances are ever looked at, right? It's always, well, they did, did, and that was it, right? And that's it. Same thing when we're murdered by police. Breonna Taylor's murdered by police. Oh, well, this person has something in, in their system and the boyfriend did this and, you know, all this garbage. No one's saying anything about that when it's someone white, right? There's a lot of excuse making, but not demonizing by, by the dominant, by the white culture. But, but here's the thing. We need to make this country better. And one way is to kick out the racists, is to kick out the misogynists and the homophobes and the anti-Muslim persons. They don't want to be here. So let's kick out these anti-Islamic people who are Islamophobic, who are racist, who are misogynistic, who are sexist. We need to get those folks out of here. That's one. And they get the system out of here too. Because this system ain't working. It's only working for 5% of the people. Well, it's working because it is working for those 5%. It's working like a well-oiled kill machine. The well-oiled killing machine is working. But the rest of us are suffering from that. So it's not working for us, obviously. That's like the 95% of us plus that it is not working for. We need to have a better place to live. And with all of the things that this nation, in quotes, has gone through, we are not better people right now. We are not a better place right now. We are still muddling through. The Republicans continue to kill. They continue to destroy what little of this so-called country there is. Voting, you know, the voting process in this country is going to be horrific next year, but you've got to vote. Even as these blasted Republican thugs and criminals keep throwing anti-legislation, anti-voting bill after anti-voting bill at you. That does not mean you turn around and go, oh, they've put up another anti-voting bill. It's been passed into law. I'm not going to vote. No, this is what they want you to do. Do you want them to control what you do or do you want to do what you do and control that? We've got to be better. There's so many ways in which we need to be better. One way we need to be better is to get informed and educated, to educate ourselves, to seek help. That's one way we can be better as a group, as a place. One way we can be better is to practice more empathy. Meditate a little bit more. Get a little bit more sleep. Employ critical thinking. Be more compassionate. A bit more generous of spirit, if you can. And get vaccinated. Get fully vaccinated. Wear a mask. Conserve energy. 
more environmentally conscious overall. Care about the planet which you live on. Read a little bit more. Steer clear of 24-hour cable news. Start making your own news. Read the newspaper again. Read books again. I say that again for the second time. Put your audio book away and actually read a book. I know some people do not have the time to actually sit down and physically read. You've got to read a book instead of audio book it. I know, I know some of you listening are audio bookers. I'm not hating on you. I am simply saying, I get it. You don't have the time. I know it's just difficult. And I read and I, I, it's, I just can't envision doing audiobooks. I mean, I tried one once and, oh God, can't do it. I can't, I'm the opposite. I cannot do that. I can't, I cannot do it. I have to read a book the old fashioned way, ye old book, Y-E-O-L-D-E, ye old, <laughs> ye old book. I, I can't, the pages, you turn them, the scent, the aroma of the page. If it's brand new, that book, and as it is when I buy them anyway, I don't, I'm not a, someone who rents them from the library. I love to buy books and I read them. I didn't give some away too, by the way, in case you haven't noticed. There's going to be a book giveaway coming up in another week or two. So stay tuned here on the Political Right 30 podcast for that. But I, I got to tell you, oh, books, oh, that's one way to be better. You know, employ and engage, employ and engage critical thinking and read more books, read them, not listen to them, read them. Please. <laughs> Seriously. So that and then there's so many things. Engage more politically. That's how we can be better in this country. And by that, I am saying, watch half an hour of C-SPAN a week. Not, I'm not even saying every day, a week, right? You can watch it at cspan.org. You can watch it in the United States on television, on your C-SPAN dial, where your cable might be, whichever network system you've got. You can watch it on the go. You can watch it from anywhere in the world, I believe. C-SPAN. At cspan.org, I believe it is. As I think I just said. So look, you know, we've got to do this. These are ways to be better. And to stop looking at people with fear in your hearts all the time. That's another thing we can do to be better. Stop fearing everything around you that doesn't look the same as you do. Oh my gosh, the amount of times I've walked around here in San Francisco lately and the fear and the anger, it's more the anger and the hatred in people's eyes, specifically white people's eyes. It's just absolutely, I, I tell you, if I could carry around a hidden video camera and, and actually show you what I see when I walk down the street and I've got white people looking at me with this hatred in their eyes. This is in San Francisco. Right? It's not in the deep south. It's San Francisco, California. It's absolutely mind-blowing. 
And you've got these people walking around with this hatred in their eyes. These are grown adults. These are not 16-year-olds. They're grown adults. The baby boom generation. So that's just, I, I, come on now, really? Yeah, obviously you, you lot haven't learned anything. At least this lot haven't. The lot that I'm referring to in the neighborhood here in town. They haven't learned a thing. They don't want to. You know? So better does not mean people like that. They are not going to get better. They are going to degenerate into the further into the degeneracy that they are luxuriating in because that's freedom for them you know to be as racist and as bigoted as they want to be and they're deeply unhappy and they're very miserable and they've got lots of money and when they pass away they don't get to have that money with them anymore because someone else will be delighting in the riches and the not hopefully not the poverty of these people's hearts but the riches that they are so miserable with so to make this country so-called country better we have to employ all of the things that I've just talked about pick one of them oh let me add another as I said, political engagement, get involved, watch C-SPAN, vote, hello, vote in every election, local, state, national, every blooming election, midterm, special election, recall, runoff, primary, every election, do it, run for office, dog catcher, school board, mayor. Governor, Senate, House, State Assembly, President, Prime Minister, whomever. Well, you can't run for Prime Minister in the United States. Because <laughs> uh, the focus was the U.S. But you know what I'm saying. Run, run, run. Or walk, walk, walk. Or talk, talk, talk. Your way into office. Organize. We've got to organize. We've got to strategize. We've got to pick the issues. I keep talking about this. The issues that matter the most to us are two or three of them and write a mission statement about them, a sentence or two about those issues. Get with like-minded people on Zoom or somewhere else online or in person if you're fully vaccinated, but you've got to wear a mask if you're so inclined to meet in person and get together and build a mission statement. Get organized today. Do not wait a minute longer. Please do not wait. After all, the time is now. So let's get better now. Not later, but now. It will take time. But let's start the process now. We do have the power. If we have a voice, if we can speak, if we can vote, we've got power. And no matter what these damn Republicans do, we are the ones in charge of where this country goes in terms of voting. And no matter what these clowns do, if you show up and vote and you get your friends to vote 
and you educate them about voting and about registering to vote and about ID and about all these things. And that education starts now. And if you plant that seed now, it will harvest later and we will all be better for it. So let's get to work. Let's not delay. And let's get better. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. And by the way, as promised, here is the phone number for the White House. This is the White House comments line. The White House comments line phone number 202-456-1111. That's 202 Four five six eleven eleven.